Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So uh, I thought we could start off by praying a, a prayer together. This is a traditional prayer. Do we have it uh, up, up there? All right, so let's, let's say this together. Salach lanu avinu. Forgive us, our Father, for in our great foolishness we have blundered. Pardon us, our King, for our iniquities are many. You are a God slow to anger. You are called the master of compassion, and you have taught the way of repentance. May you remember today and every day the greatness of your compassion and kindness for the sake of the descendants of your beloved ones. Turn toward us in compassion, for you are the master of compassion. We come before you in plea and prayer, as you in ancient times showed the humble one, Moses. Turn from your fierce anger, as is written in your Torah. In the shadow of your wings may we shelter and abide. As on the day when the Lord descended in the cloud, overlook sin and wipe away guilt, as on the day when he stood beside him there. Give ear to our pleading and listen to our speech, as on the day when he called upon the name of the Lord. And in that place is said, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, extending loving kindness to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion and sin, and absolving the guilty who repent. Forgive us our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Amen. So this prayer is taken from the uh, Koran Sidur, and it is an example of Selichot, or Selicha in, uh, in the singular, which are, these are prayers of repentance. Selichot prayers are traditional for this season of Elul, and as we prepare our hearts for the High Holy Days, uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they are spoken. Today, I would like to talk about preparing our hearts for the High Holidays. And uh, just for tradition's sake, I would like to examine three different terms that have to do with this, hol- with this, uh, this time. And these three, uh, they may be familiar to us, these words, but the reality is when we do an archaeological dig into their full meaning, then we come across old treasures that have been waiting for us. So our three terms this morning are, number one, compassion. Number two, holiness. And number three, repentance. So let's begin with term number one, compassion. The Selichot prayers ascribe compassion 
loving kindness, mercy to God. And you notice that we did it kind of repeatedly, right? We repeatedly said, talked about God's compassion. So why is this an important part of preparing for the high holidays? In the story of Les Miserables, or uh, Less Miserables, I think in English, uh, the uh, main character, Jean Valjean, he starts off as a poor thief. And a priest sees him outside the church in the cold and offers him a hot meal and a warm bed. So he comes in and takes care of him. And in the morning, Jean Valjean steals everything that he can see of value in the room. And, uh, and then he, he runs away, but uh, he's caught and he's apprehended by the police. And they drag him um, shackled back into the church And the policeman says, we caught this man red-handed with your silver. He says, you gave him this. And the priest says, yes, that's right. I I gave it to him. And uh, then turning to Valjean, he says, but my friend, you left so early. You, You left and you forgot the best and most valuable behind. And he gives him the two finest silver candlestick holders to, to Jean Valjean. And then he, he, uh, he uh, is freed, so the policemen leave, right? And they're kind of like confused. And, uh, and then he, he charges Jean Valjean, and he says to use this silver for good, because you have been saved from punishment. And this act of compassion, it sends Valjean into this emotional whirlwind. He's like very, very troubled by this. And it, eventually he, he uh, gives his life over to the Lord. And it changes his entire trajectory. It changes the, the whole story is set in motion from this act of compassion. This narrative shows us that what compassion is. It is restorative love. Restorative love. When we think of compassion, we might think of like a pity or, or sympathy or something like that, but God's compassion is restorative love. This week's Parsha has Moses reminding the Israelites again of the rescue from Egypt. This is so important, so foundational to our people, but he frames it in such a way to inspire them to keep the Torah and to take care of of the Levites and the foreigner, as we read a few minutes earlier. In other words, use the silver for good. Use it for good. So Moses gently instructs the, uh, in Deuteronomy. So uh, let's, let's take a look at this, what he said. Uh, do you want to read together again? Did you like that? Why not, right? Okay, let's read. This is from, uh, from the Parsha. When you have come to the land Adonai, your God, is given you as your inheritance, take possession of it and settle there. You are to take the first fruits of the crops the ground yields, which you will harvest from your land that Adonai, your God, is giving you. Put them in a basket and go to the place where Adonai, your God, will choose to have his name live. You will approach the Kohen, that's the priest, holding office at the time, and say to him, 
Today I declare to Adonai your God that I have come to the land Adonai swore to our ancestors that he would give us. The Kohen will take the basket from your hand and put it down in front of the altar of Adonai your God. Then in the presence of Adonai your God, you are to say, My ancestor was a nomad from Aram. He went down into Egypt, few in number, and stayed. I think my translation is different from your translation. That's why you're not reading with me. All right. You, should, I, should I go to this one? Yeah, all right. Well, okay. <clears throat> my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of that soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. That was good. Thank you. I, I didn't realize. I thought you guys were just shy or something, but, uh, but that was good. That was nice reading that together. So we see from uh, this scripture that God has restorative love for us, which we see in the Exodus narrative. And this inspires us, uh, it, it uh, motivates us to live for him, to use the silver for good. And this should also spill over into uh, our love for others. We should have restorative love for our brothers and sisters. Can I get an amen on that one? All right. So Elul is a great time to check in on this, to check in with people and to ask for forgiveness, to go to those who may have hurt us and uh, whom we may have hurt and to try to work it out. This is traditional for this time and it's, uh, it's a good idea. Um, we want to uh, offer our very selves to God during the high holy days. So we need to try to have shalom, that is peace, with one another as, as best we can, right? Rabbi Yeshua reminds us in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gift at the temple altar and you remember there that your brother has something against you, leave your gift where it is by the altar and go make peace with your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. So before we offer the gift of ourselves on uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur uh, back to the Lord as king, we want to try to get things right with our brothers and sisters through restorative love. Amen? All right. So how does compassion or restorative love help us prepare for the high holy days? Because we must start with God's rescuing love when we are seeking to draw close. And then we can move into repentance and to know his holiness. And this brings us to the second term, holiness. 
Perhaps we have heard the idea that if something is or someone is holy, which is, uh, what is that in Hebrew? Holy. Kadosh, right. Okay. Then that means that it is set apart or set apart for a purpose. And I think that's, that's part of the meaning, but I don't think we're getting the full picture here. This is a very charged, meaningful word. And I don't think even I'm going to scratch the surface here, um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to delve into it a little bit. Uh, the central prayer and the culmination of our liturgy, our liturgical service, it reflects visions of the, the very throne room of God from the scriptures. And uh, that is the uh, Kedusha prayer, and it finds its fulfillment, its center, uh, with these words. Do we know what words these are? Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of angel armies. And we say it three times, right? Not just for emphasis, right? But also it, uh, it magnifies it, right? When something is repeated, that means, you know, pay attention, okay? So three times it's repeated. And is it sufficient for us to think when we say that, <clears throat> set apart, really set apart, completely set apart is the Lord of angel armies. Is that, is that enough of a meaning, do we think? Is there more to it? There's more. Eric says there's more, okay? Perhaps there is more. So we begin to understand the word kadosh, or holy. It's, uh, the first mention of this root comes from Genesis 2, verse 3. And it says this, God blessed the seventh day and separated it as holy, because on that day God rested from all his work which he had created. Okay? So he separated as holy, so we have that, that first idea. But we understand this is the blessing of the seventh day, which is what day? Shabbat, right? Okay, and uh, the, uh, the rest, the rest that we have is inaugurated here. It's hinted at. And the holiness of Shabbat, the fact that Shabbat is holy, it looks back to this creation story. So it's not just set apart, but it's full of something. It's full of God's presence. It's full of resting and trusting, right? All the, the re's are here. What are the re's, right? Well, in school, I learned the re's were reduce, reuse, and recycle. Are those the re's that are here? No. <laughs> Rather, the re's here are renewal, rebirth restoring, restoration. Can I do that? Return, return to God. The thing about holiness or kedusha in Hebrew is that uh, in Leviticus, it only goes typically in one direction. So if you contact something unclean and you are in a clean state, you're holy, that makes you what? That makes you unclean, right? But Yeshua, he connects with the unclean in the Gospels, right? He connects with skin disease and, and dead bodies, these things that are described in Leviticus as unclean or not holy. And uh, the original readers of the Gospels, this would have shocked them. This is, this is uh, very strange. And yet, even stranger is that in the kingdom of Yeshua, holiness 
goes the other way. And the, the life force, the restoration, the renewal and rebirth, it goes from Yeshua to the broken and hurting and even brings the dead to life. This is a dynamic reversal of the holiness trajectory. So when we say kadosh, 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 we are saying set apart, pureness, goodness, source of restoration, renewal, and life. And that is probably only scratching the surface. There's probably more to it than that. So now what is the connection between holiness and preparing for the high holy days? Well, it's kind of in the name, right? Okay, but what is, uh, what is the connection here? There's another uh, of the salichot, repentance prayers. It, it gives us a kind of a clue. And this is a, a prayer, traditional prayer, uh, drawn from Psalm 65. Um, that I found in another, uh, another Siddur uh, for this time. So this is verses 1 through 4. Let's read this together. Uh, let's make sure I have the same. I think I have the same as you. Okay, we'll, we'll try it. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Filled with the good things of his holy temple. So God's forgiveness and restoration, restorative love, compassion, right? Enable us to be in his holy, life-giving, pure presence. And so the third strand of this cord of preparation is repentance. This is the other piece that I mentioned at the beginning. Repentance. Repentance. Everyone's favorite activity, right? Yeah. But what does it mean? Is it just saying, sorry? Or as the Canadians say, sorry? Is that, is that it? The word for sorry or excuse me in modern Hebrew is salicha. Not that you hear it very much. You know, Israelis tend to be pretty, pretty frank, but that's another story. Okay, but salicha is related to the name for the prayers of repentance, right? The salicha or plural salichot. So the same word. So does it just mean sorry? No, it's, it's much more than that. The word in Greek for repentance is metanoio which means a change of your mind, a renewal of your thinking. And the Hebrew word is, do we know the word for repentance? Teshuvah or shuva. They're both, both used, right? Which means to either to turn or to return, right? You're with me. To turn back to God is to orient your face back to his face, right? And his face is his presence. His face is his presence. So, and, and to return, when we say I'm returning, right, what does that mean? It means we're going back home. God is our home. He is our creator, and he is the source. So when we go to him, really we're going back to him. We are returning. That is what shuva or teshuva means. 
So when we return to God, it is as if we are reborn. We are renewed from the source of life. Repentance is more than sorry. It is a turning around. Many people know the uh, five love languages uh, by Christian author Gary Chapman. Raise your hand if you're familiar with this. Very helpful in uh, relationships, especially marriage. But did you know that he also developed the five languages of the apology? Did you know that? Yeah, this is true. So uh, who knew there were so many ways to apologize? Uh, Now, this is in the context of uh, human relationships, but I think it applies also to our relationship with God. So uh, according to Dr. Chapman, these are the five salichot. These are the five sorries. Okay? I think we have it. Number one, expressing regret. Right? You're expressing your regret that you didn't mean to do that. Right? I am sorry. Number two, accepting responsibility. Right? You take responsibility, ownership for your actions, painful though that may be, and you say, that was wrong. Number three, making restitution. What can I do to make it right again? You're showing that you are not only sorry, but you're also seeing how you can be restorative. Number four is genuinely repenting, right? So we said before that if you repent, that means you do what? You turn, right? So you turn from that. So you're going to try not to do that again. Not that you will be perfect, right? But you're your focus and your goal is to not hurt the other person, and so that is number four. Number five, requesting forgiveness. That's where you ask, will you forgive me, right, which is a canceling of the debt, right, between you. It doesn't mean that what you did was okay, right, but it means that they have canceled the debt and they forgive you and you can move forward from there. Uh, Chapman's theory is that different people are wired to understand and receive repentance through these lenses, right? So if you say, I'm sorry, but um, if the other person doesn't really understand, uh, right, or if I don't understand what I did wrong and, and why it was hurtful, you know, my wife may not feel like I've really apologized. This is, of course, a, a hypothetical statement, right? But we get, we get the idea. Repentance helps us to get ready for the high holidays because as we turn our hearts back to God, we return to him. We turn and we return. And with all the terms together, we understand that we repent or return to his holy, life-giving pureness, right? And because of his compassion or restorative love that we are able to do this. So let us reflect. Let's slow down during the season. Slow down. Let's prepare our hearts for the high holy days. Let us lift up the name that is the identity of Yeshua the Messiah, who is the fullness of the compassion and restorative love of God. Yeshua, the fullness of the holy, life-giving presence of God. And Yeshua, through whom we have forgiveness of sins, who enables us to return to God. Amen? All right. Let's pray.